Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you so much for what you're doing in living hope, God. I thank you for what you're doing there, how you've blessed them financially, how you're meeting their needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you, Jesus, that you continue to lay it on people's hearts to partner with them, not only financially, but to be able to be prayer partners and people who will go on trips and support them and work and help them to complete tasks that they need to do to be able to to forward, God, your kingdom and further your purposes, Lord. We thank you for the remainder of this service and everything that you've done thus far in our hearts, how you've stirred up a hunger in us. Thank you, God, that you're doing great things in our midst. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing at Word of Grace, for what you're doing in the people, God, in this area, God, and how you're reaching them and impacting them with your truth and your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're going to wrap up our series this morning uh, titled Out of Order, and we've been talking about relationships and family issues. We've been talking about how to get things back in order, so I thought it would be adequate to title this message Back in Order. Over the past five weeks, we've really discussed the importance of aligning our lives with what God values. We've talked about how learning who God is and what his character is and how he operates and how that's vital to get our lives back in order. And this morning we're going to wrap this up and I want to let you know you can follow along on our Uversion Live on your iPad or on your mobile device by going to your Uversion app and clicking on Live and you'll actually be able to follow along with the sermon notes today and there's also little places under there for where you can... uh, You can make your own notes, and when you're done, you can actually uh, have a copy of that emailed to your email address in like a doc or PDF format. And also, what this is going to enable us to do, it's also going to enable us to do live polling. So there may be times, like in this new series that's coming up, Headlines, where I'm asking you guys to provide uh, us questions and things that you're wondering about. Maybe we'll be able to take a live poll of the people here, so make sure that you, uh, uh, you, if you want to participate in that, that you download that you version app and you can follow along this morning this is your first point today i want you to write this down to get our families and our relationships back in order we need to align our priorities and our values with god that's really been the whole just the whole thrust of this entire series is to get our families to get our relationships to get our lives back in order we have to align our priorities and our values with god's that means what god says are his priorities what he has deemed as important i need to say okay god it doesn't matter what i think is important i want your ways not my ways right He's also saying that I want you to value. I want you to place value and importance on the things that I have said are valuable and are important. Whether they line up with the way you think or not because every one of us has a value system. Every one of us has uh, different ways that we prioritize things in our lives. But God says, I want you to throw that out the window and I want you to reprogram your mind and I want you to be transformed by renewing your mind to think like I want you to think, to value what I want you to value. Because if you do that, it's going to set you up for success. It's going to set you in line with my perfect will because you're going to be deeming the same things that are important to me, they're going to be important to you. The same things that I value are going to become your values. So we need to ask ourselves this morning, how can we find out what God says is important and how do we go about aligning our thoughts and our values with his? If you've got your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Matthew and the sixth chapter. 
Matthew chapter 6. I want to start in verse 30, but I'm going to read it out of the New King James first, and then I want to tell you what it says out of the message translation to bring us a little bit more clarity and a little bit more understanding to what we're talking about this morning. But Matthew 6 and verse 30 out of the New King James says it like this. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's look at what the message says. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he will attend to you? take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Man, isn't that just so real and so powerful? Doesn't that just, just, just grip you? I mean, he's, he's telling us, listen, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. To what God is saying right now. Don't be thinking about eating chicken legs. Don't be thinking about pizza ranch. Don't be thinking about the Packers. Give all your attention to what God is doing right now. Focus on God in this moment, right now. And think about what he wants for your life. Think about what he is doing right now in your life. The words you're hearing right now. And don't worry about that bill. Don't worry about going to work tomorrow. Don't worry about if the car's going to start. Don't worry about where the money's going to come from. Don't worry about if this relationship is going to work out or not. Don't worry about those things. He said, you need to give attention to the things that I've said are important, the things that I value, and the things I'm doing right now. And if you put those things at the forefront and you value what I'm doing right now, then I'll take care of all of your needs. That's what he said. That's what he said. And and it makes perfect sense because if we align ourselves with what God values, with what he says is important, then we're aligning ourselves with God's way of thinking and doing. And some of these things in our lives are going to change by a natural course of changing what we value and what our priorities are. Some things are going to change naturally because we have opened up the door to allow God to move in our lives and to do what he's already established and what he's already said he'll do. You know, if you start eating right, you'll get healthier. Yeah? And Word of Grace is helping you do that by providing you donuts every Sunday morning. (laughs) Nothing wrong with a donut. But, you know, if we make, excuse me, if we make better decisions, some things in our lives change naturally. I love watching the show, The Biggest Loser, and I've said this before. Um, I, I just recently discovered it about six months ago because I never had been interested in watching it before. But it's on Netflix, 
And I like watching Netflix because there's no commercials, right? And uh, so it's not like, I, or I don't have to wait till next week to see what happens. I can just watch the next episode. So my wife and I were watching these, ser- the, these seasons that were, you know, kind of some of the older ones. And what we were seeing uh, that happened in every single episode of every single season was that these people that came in sick, near death, with diabetes, with heart disease, with all these different things, when they began to change their habits and change their priorities and change their values, guess what? Diabetes was gone. All those pills were gone. All these different things were gone. Why? Because they began to change their values and they began to reap benefits because they aligned their values with what should have been important instead of neglecting those things that are important. It just happened naturally. It wasn't like someone said, if you do this, then this is going to happen. No, they just began to get healthy and these things begin to happen. And folks, let me tell you, that's how it works with God. When we begin to value what he values, things begin to come about in our lives and things begin to break all off of our lives that we may not even know that it's actually happening or actually is going on. All of a sudden, you find yourself walking with a little bit more joy and you're going, where did that come from? All of a sudden, you find yourself living in a, a new degree of peace and a new degree of contentment. All of a sudden, you find yourself wanting to step out and do something you'd never done before. And it's just a natural result of valuing what God values. It's just a natural, all of a sudden you, you start loving people, but you couldn't even stand. You know who I'm talking about. You start looking and going, you know what, I forgive you, you old nasty joker. You was wrong, but I forgive you. And, and you find yourself truly meaning that. And it's not just something you say. It's not just something you're putting on. Because you know that's what you're supposed to do. But you do it genuinely and sincerely. That comes from getting closer to God because he's starting to rub off on you. You're starting to emulate his character. You're starting to go, this is, I like being with you, God. I like valuing what you value. I like putting my priorities in line with what you say is important. And that's what the scripture is talking about. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. If we value what God values and we submit our lives to his truth. Oh, pastor just said submit. That means we just trust him. That means that we say, okay, not my ways, but your ways. I want to put myself under your authority. I want to submit my life to your ways, to your authority. I'm going to admit to you, God, that even though I think I'm really smart, And I think that I'm really just got it all figured out, no better than everyone else. I'm going to put that off to the side and say, you know what, God? I'm going to say that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm going to say that you know a little bit better than I do. Even if it's not culturally acceptable, (laughs) even if it's not popular, even if I look at your word and I go, that's not very popular. That doesn't sound very fun. That's not the way I've been living. That's not the way I've experienced it. But if I submit that to him and say, okay, God, it's not me. It's not my ways, but your ways. If it's in your word, then I accept it as truth. And I accept it as relevant for me today. Amen, somebody. See, the Bible isn't some old book. The, the Bible isn't some old book that we can just get some good ideas from and we can pick and choose the ones that we like and the ones we think are relevant for today. The whole thing's relevant because the Bible is alive. The, uh, matter of fact, God said in his word that his word is alive. It's living. It's powerful. And it's just as much alive and powerful today as it was when it was originally penned or spoken. 
Amen? Amen. You see, and to get our families and our relationships back in order, we've got to align our values and our priorities with what God values, with what He says is important. And I want you to understand, because we've been really having a, a focus in this series on families and on relationships and on marriages, raising your children, or, or if you're single, the relationships that you have uh, you know, it, throughout your life, if you desire to be married, or if you're a grandparent, the relationship with your, with your children, if you're a parent, all these different relationships that we have in life that can sometimes be strained, the, the friendships, our relationship with our boss, our relationship with our coworkers, our relationships that we have with one another, and more importantly, with God. All these different things can become strained, but I want you to understand this about this entire series, about the, all this stuff we've been talking about, is that God created the family and God values his creation. Amen? God created the family. God created relationships. God created it to be a certain way. God ordained it from the very foundations of the earth. To operate within the context of what he says in his word. Not what's popular. Not what my idea is. Not what I like. Not what is easy. Not what uh, all these different things that everyone's telling me it should be. I've got to submit all that junk and all of those ways of thinking and say, God, not my ways, but your ways. Amen? God values that. And how many of you recognize that Satan has been attacking the family by trying to do away with the biblical definitions of what a family should be? of what the function and the roles of those that are in the family. What he's trying to do is he's trying to drive wedges to cause disconnect in families. And folks, it's been working. It's been working because we've got high divorce rates like never before. And they're just as high, if not higher, in the church than they are with those that aren't in the church. We see that there's strained relationships between fathers and their sons. And we see strained relationships between family members. There's disconnect. There's wedges that have been driven in that family unit that God so desperately has created to be a place of, of love, a place of instruction, a place of security, a place of safety, a place of discipline, a place of growth, a place of maturity, a place where we can connect and, 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 and be there for one another. And Satan has been trying to drive wedges. And what he's been trying to do is, is he's been trying to redefine in our culture what a family actually is. Actually, I, I looked this up. There's a TV show that's called The Modern Family. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not. I've never seen the show, but I read up on the premise of it so I would understand uh, what it was about. And what it does is it depicts a cultural redefining of what a family should be, and it wants its audience to realize that this is the new normal. I, I think it's a, it's a comedy show, but at the same time, it's trying to reprogram our ways of thinking. It, even there's certain ways that, that people are trying to even teach our children to reprogram them and make them think that some things that never should have been socially, culturally acceptable, now they're become acceptable. And they want us to buy in to the fact that it doesn't matter what God said. It ma all that matters is that this is the new normal. And that's what they want to stamp it with. They want to say, this is the new normal. It doesn't matter what God said. It doesn't matter what God created, what he originally established. All that matters is that there's this cultural redefining. And if you don't accept my new normal as normal, if you want to go outside of the context of what God established, then all of a sudden they, we want to slap hate on people. We want to say, oh, you're just a bunch of people that hate people. You hate this. You hate that. But let me tell you, folks. I want to submit to what God said and operate within the context of what he said 
not what I think, not what is culturally acceptable. Can I get an amen, somebody? But here's the deal on that. I want you to understand. I know that people come from dysfunctional situations and broken relationships and backgrounds. And I'm not criticizing anyone for where they've come from. But we don't have to accept that for our future. Hello, somebody. You see, it's not where I come from that defines me as much as the decisions that I make that define where I'm going. You see, God doesn't care as much about where you've been as much as where you're going. What decisions are you going to make right now? What are you going to do right now to start making the decisions to change the outcome, to change the situation? Yeah, you may have grown up in a dysfunctional environment. Yeah, you may have grown up in a home where parents were divorced. Maybe you grew up in a home where the, the parents maybe weren't married or they cheated around or they slept around and this was accepted as normal and no one wanted to define what normal was. Nobody wanted to submit to what God said. God doesn't hate you for that. God isn't mad at you. But you do not have to accept that as your new normal. Amen? You can accept what God values as normal and begin to walk with God and experience the blessings and the benefits of walking with him by valuing what he values the way he values it. Amen, somebody. You see, that's a hard thing for us to accept sometimes. We want to excuse behavior. We want to excuse our background. We want to excuse our dysfunction instead of dealing with it and trying to correct it. We want to go, oh, well, it's just, it's just the new normal and you're just going to have to get used to it. No, it doesn't have to be my kid's normal, what I went through growing up. Hello, somebody. You see, I want better for my children than, than I had, don't you? So, so I, don't, I don't want them to have to go through some of the things I've gone through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to align myself with what God says and not just be repeating the cycle that has happened generation after generation after generation. Amen, somebody. You see, instead of families getting weaker, if we would just align ourselves with God's principles and God's truth, we would see a turnaround where families actually begin to be stronger, where our children do have it better than we had, not because we buy them more stuff, not because we give them all the toys and all the gadgets we never had growing up. That's not a better life, you know that? What makes our children's lives better is that we decide to align ourselves with God and what He says, and then they see that in our lives, and they see the principles that we stand on, and those things are instilled in them because we choose to follow God's way and not just what we've experienced or not what we have accepted as normal. That's a hard word to define anyway, isn't it? Normal? You know, a lot of times we look and we go, what is normal? There's, there's not really a cookie-cutter normal that you and I can just simply say, well, I need to be exactly like this. No, no, no. It's not that you're trying to be like someone or you're trying to emulate someone else's family. The thing is, is that you need to be who you are, but you need to be that person based on God's principles and his values. Amen. You see, you look at what God says, what he says is important, what he says the family should be, how we should operate. And when Satan comes against that, we stand firm. We stand firm on our values and what God has said is important. Now, I want you to understand that I don't have to accept the dysfunction that I've experienced or that I've lived or even the mistakes I've made. I don't have to accept that as normal anymore because the Bible says that if you're in Christ, you are a what? New creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. 
If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That means something needs to change. Something needs to shift, right? That means I can't just go, oh, well, who I was before was fine. No, I needed to be made new, or otherwise I didn't need Jesus in the first place. If I was okay the way I was before Christ, then, and, and I think that after I accept Christ, I don't need to change, then why did I even feel like I needed him to begin with? If I was doing it so well on my own. Folks, that's wrong. We've got to understand that Christ equals change. Change in my life, change in my thinking, change in the way that I behave, the way I act, the way that I conduct myself, the things I value, the things that I put on my priority list, the way that I raise my children, the way I interact with my spouse, the things that I allow and accept in my home. I've got to change those things and align them with what God says because I wasn't okay before Him. Amen, somebody. Preacher, show his preaching this morning. Mm I want you to get this. Before Jesus Christ, I don't care how good you were, how smiley you were, how everyone said you were a nice guy or a nice lady, how moral you were, you still needed Christ in your life. Amen? You still needed Jesus to come and make you new, and that equals change. That equals me separating my mind from what everyone else says is okay from the way everyone else thinks and me saying, okay, I'm going to put away my way of thinking if it is contrary to what God has said. And I'm going to align myself. I'm going to align my thinking and align my values with what God said. Amen, somebody. You see, we need to accept God's standard of what defines family to get things back in order. We need to define Uh, We need to accept God's standard of what defines our relationships and our lives. We need to allow Him to do that to get things back in order. Now, to do that, we go to the Word of God because we're asking the question, what does God say is important? And I want to talk to you for just a minute about these things. that There's more than this in the Bible, but there were a few things that I felt necessary to highlight that God says this is important. These are the standards. These are the things that I want you to value. Number one, keeping the family together is important. Amen? Amen. Amen. uh, Malachi 2 and 16 in the New Living Translation says this, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now understand me, and I want you to listen to me really good, that God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate you if you've been divorced. Amen? Amen? I said, amen. Amen. You see, here's the deal. God doesn't hate you if you've been divorced, and neither do we here at Word of Grace. We don't hate you if you've been divorced. Here's what God hates. He hates the act because it hurts a lot of folks. I said it hurts a lot of people. Amen? I know that my parents went through a divorce when I was uh, on up in years. I think I was 24, 25 when my parents uh, were divorced, and that was... You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have to grow up as, as a child having to, you know, spend a weekend with this one, a weekend with that one, and all those things that I had a lot of friends that did. But at the same time, it still hurt. Still hurt a lot of people because of all the conditions surrounding it. That's why God hates it because it's, it, it, it's this covenant that two people made with one another. 
And because of either infidelity or because they just couldn't get along or because of money or because of arguing or whatever the case may be. Or maybe even they're just sticking together because of the kids. And then whenever the kids get grown and gone, then they just realize they don't even know each other. All these different reasons that people get divorced. It hurts the family. It hurts people and they carry wounds and scars from that. That's why God hates it, because God doesn't want us to be wounded and scarred. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be loved, and he wants us to walk free from anything that would try to destroy us or cripple us or hurt us. He doesn't go, ah, yeah, uh, this is my will that so-and-so gets divorced because I want to cripple you, and I want you to form all of these bad habits because of the anger and all the resentment and all these things. No, 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 God doesn't want that. Are you getting this this morning? You see, God hates divorce, not those that have been divorced. He, he, he hates the act because of all those that it hurts. Now, there certainly are legitimate reasons for getting a divorce, and God actually explains those in Scripture, but that still doesn't mean He doesn't hate it. You know that? He still, he still, he still hates that act, a divorce, because it hurts folks. And so it's important that we keep the family together. You know, so many times in our, in our current culture, we just treat marriage as a piece of paper. We just look at it and go, oh, it's just something I signed. Oh, it's just this. It's just that. It just really means that I love this person. Well, I never really had feelings for you anyways. You know, the, the way that you made me feel, you don't make me feel that way anymore. And all these things, we begin to unleash hurt and anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. Folks, let me tell you, God wants marriages to be healthy amen god wants folks to be able to stay married and to love one another and to grow in relationship with one another and that's why it's so important that you have a church family that can love you and that can pray for you and that can be there with you and that can help you through those troubling times because how many of you know i don't care how long you've been married how smiley you are this morning you've been through something right don't look at your husband and wife when you say that either <laughs> been through something or you're either in something right now oh pastor up in your cookie jar this morning <laughs> it, it, we've all been through something i'm not asking for anybody to raise their hand but somebody has slept on a couch somebody has stormed out mad somebody has slammed a door Somebody has said something they haven't meant. Now, anybody in this room, does that apply to? I'll put both hands up. <laughs> Come on, folks, let's be real. We ain't playing no games here. We're trying to help folks, amen? You see, we, we, we've got to recognize, we've got to recognize that there are things that we go through, but it's not whether or not we'll go through anything. It's not, oh, I'm a Christian and I, I get to avoid all of these temptations and I get to avoid all of these conflicts. No, no, if you're a Christian, you don't get exempt from conflict. If somebody's preaching that message, that ain't the truth. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, in this world, you're going to have trials. He said, but be of good cheer. He said, because I've overcome the world. He said, be of good cheer because if you're hanging with me, if you're connected with me, if you are partnered with me, if you are aligning your life with me, then there's still hope. I said, there's still hope. Amen? Amen. We don't throw our hands up in the air and give up just because things get hard. We don't throw our hands up in the air just because things get difficult. Because, folks, let me tell you, difficulties and trials are going to come. 
How many of you have ever had children? <laughs> Let me tell you, God gives us patience. He's developing things in us, and these things are not going to destroy us when they come our way. It's not about whether or not things come. It's how we react when things come. It's where do we turn when things come. Where do we go? Do we go to the truth? Do we go to God's word? Do we stand in faith trusting him? Do we go to someone that we can trust or do we go to someone that we, that we want to agree with us and get mad with us? You ain't going to believe what he did. Oh, I know he didn't. Oh, I know you. And you go on and on and on. Or are you going to go to someone who you know may tell you the truth even if it may offend you a little bit? We need to be offended every now and then by the truth. You know what? Help sharpen us, make us better people, make us better husbands, makes us better parents, makes us better children of God. Amen? Amen. God wants us to keep the family together. Number two, things that God says is important. Raising children that respect and understand authority. Amen? That's important to God. That, that's important to God that we raise children that respect and understand authority. You see, what people don't realize is that at some point, your children are going to have to understand authority. They're either going to understand it in your home or they're going to understand it when they're behind bars, sitting in the back of the police car. They're going to have to understand authority at some point because authority is all around us. Amen? It's everywhere we go. And it's not that we want to be defiant of authority, but we understand how to respect authority. And it starts when they're little bitty kids. It starts when we teach them, when they violate that authority, when they violate those boundaries that we've set for them. How do we respond to that? What do we do? Turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 13. That's the wrong way. Pastor don't even know where Proverbs is. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. I'll give you just a second. I hear a lot of folks turning. Y'all don't know where Proverbs is either. <laughs> Page 818. <laughs> I was going the wrong way. If you've hit Genesis, you're, you're the wrong way, folks. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now understand that rod, it can actually mean spanking, you know, and all that stuff. We, we can interpret it as that, and that's fine. That, that, but the rod is discipline of some sort, okay? Don't check out of disciplining your children when they get to a certain age because they're too old to spank or they're too old to do this. I've seen that so many times. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and the kids that I had the most problems with in my youth group were the ones that the parents just checked out when their kids got to a certain age. And here's what they would all say. They would say, oh, well, Pastor Derek, my kid's going out there sleeping around doing all kinds of things. Well, they're 16. I can't do a whole lot about it. They're 16. What? So do they, they still eating your groceries? <laughs> the, the, you still paying the light bill? I mean, come on, somebody. Are they still sleeping in that bed you bought for them? Still wearing them clothes you bought for them? Uh, I, you know, you can say, they can say, I'm grown, I'm grown. Yeah, you're grown when you're taking care of yourself. Hello, somebody. Pastor is preaching today. Somebody needs to be amen and doing some backflips or something up in here. Blues Brothers style. I mean, come on. 
I heard that so many times. I heard that, oh, they're 18. Yeah, they're 18, but they ain't got a job and they're living in your house. Don't check out. Mom and dad, don't check out. Don't check out. Don't make excuses for lack of discipline or lack of structure and order in your home because your kids reach a certain age. Age does not equate maturity. Wives, don't look at your husbands when I say that. <laughs> Age does not equate maturity. It doesn't. Just because someone reaches 18, well, they're 18. I don't know what I can do anymore. Well, that's, that's not how this works. You see, the Bible says that he who spares that rod hates his son. Because what happens is there's a transition where we get afraid that they may not like us. We get afraid that they may not like us if we take things away or we have some form of discipline at home. You see, if they're still rebelling to authority in your home, they're going to rebel to authority somewhere else too. They're going to do something underhanded or sneaky at work and then you wonder, I had no idea. Well, yeah, you, you, you never told them about authority. You never taught them how to respect authority. I don't know why they're, they're, they're disrespecting their teacher so much because they disrespect you at home. You see, they're emulating this behavior because of the boundaries that we have set or not set. Well, we, I don't want to set boundaries for my children. There was a study done for real. This is a real study that was done with a group of kids in a playground. And what happened was they put these kids out in the middle of this playground that, were, that was in this huge field. And there was no fence around it at all. It was just a playground. No fence whatsoever. Just all the, all the slides and swings and monkey bars, whole nine yards. And the kids went over there and they stayed right there where all the playground equipment was. They let them play for about 30, 45 minutes. Then they took the same group of kids a few days later in the same playground and they put a fence around that playground. And you want to know what the kids did? They ran to the edge of the fence and they were shaking the fence and climbing on the fence and they were playing all around. But before, they only stayed to where all those toys were. Because you see, actually, boundaries bring safety and comfort and security. Amen, somebody. You, you see, we're so worried about limiting or not being the cool parents or, you know, my parents did that to me and I want to be the cool parent and I don't, I'm going to let them have more freedom. So, oh man, you know, Mrs. G, you're the coolest, you know, in the neighborhood because you let your kids do whatever. Yeah, it's going to come back to bite you one day because the Bible says so. Oh, you're the coolest. Oh man, I wish my dad was like your dad because he just lets you do whatever. Yeah, and then one day somebody's going to tell them what they can't do and they're going to have disrespect for authority because of that. And it's going to actually hinder their life because there's not boundaries and there's not structure in place. Am I helping anybody today? You see, don't check out when your parents get that certain age. They want you interested and they want you involved in their lives. Amen? Let me tell you folks something. Let me tell you. When I was a youth pastor, and I counseled many, many a teenager, the main thing that those kids wanted from their parents was just for their parents to show them that they were interested and that they cared about what was going on in their lives. They didn't want them to buy them stuff because that would only temporarily satisfy them. They didn't, you know, I had kids that had the latest and the greatest they had the latest iPods, the latest video games. They had a big, huge TV in their room. Parents bought them the cool car, and they hated their parents. They hated their parents. They would talk down to them. They would 
treat them poorly, and they seem to have everything. But then on the flip side, to contrast that, there would be a kid who didn't have the latest and the greatest. They didn't have all the cool stuff. Matter of fact, their clothes might even not have had a, a name brand one on them. But these kids loved their parents, and they had a healthy relationship with them. Because it's not about stuff. Amen, somebody? It's not about stuff. It's not about being that parent and giving your kid the stuff that you never had as a child. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're a good parent because you're giving them stuff that you didn't have. That doesn't equate to love, folks. That's just this temporary thing. They want you involved. And these kids really wanted their parents involved. They wanted them to, you know, and, and to some of these kids that didn't have that at home, my wife and I kind of became in a way a, a, a surrogate parent to them. We went to their baseball games and their football games and, you know, went to their band deal. We, in Oklahoma, the football team stunk, and so everybody came to watch the band because the band was like first in the state. And it's like the stands would empty after halftime. It was hilarious. I and mean, we'd go and watch them play, play in the band. And there were probably 200 kids in that band out there on the field. Did you see me? Did you hear me? Yep, I was there. And that's all they cared was that I was there. They just wanted to know that I genuinely cared and that I was there for them. And you know, that, that there was this one boy. I'll, t- I'll tell you guys this story. This will be good. I promise. <laughs> there was this kid named Kevin that was in my youth group. And this kid came from a very dysfunctional home. Parents were not involved. His grandmother was raising him, but his grandmother wasn't even involved. The kid was one of the worst kids in my youth group. I mean, so far as interrupting, uh, you know, he would always be the one that would slap the girls on the rear or say something off color or be real perverted. And I was always having to get on to Kevin all the time. Oh, and and when I saw Kevin come to youth group that night, I was just like, all right, patrol, Kevin is here. I need you to um, go and man Kevin. I need at least five volunteers to make sure he doesn't do anything or say anything. We got you, Roger, Roger, Kevin's here. Kevin's coming through the door right now. That was that kid, okay? But I found out something about Kevin. He would come to me and he would tell me all these stories about baseball and, and he would tell me about the Rangers and how his brother took him to this Ranger game and, and they sat on the front row and, and they were right behind the Rangers dugout and all this stuff. And he was lying. The kid didn't have a dime. The kid never had been to a baseball game in his life, um, professional sports and all these things. And I saw how th- this kid wanted me to give him some value and some importance. So what I did was I called him. I said, Kevin, I said, I'm going to come pick you up Friday night, and guess where we're going? What? We're going to watch the Texas Rangers play. He said, what? I said, yeah, I've got us tickets three rows behind the dugout. I paid for him and I to go to a baseball game. And I'm sitting there going, what are you doing, Derek? You're taking Kevin, the Kevin. <laughs> it was two hours to the Rangers baseball field. So that's four hours in a car, and then that's probably three hours at the baseball game. I'm going, what are you doing, Derek? What are you doing? But I, and, and I took this kid to the baseball game, and let me tell you guys, it was, it was the best baseball game I've ever been to in my life. Um, I got pooped on by a bird. It was... <laughs> And so we had this little memory, this hilarious thing. And then in the ninth inning, the Rangers were down by three runs. And we put our rally hats on. The Rangers came back, and they won the game in the ninth inning. The, uh, the manager got kicked out of the game. He went through. You know, it was, it was just the best game ever. That changed Kevin's life. Because somebody took time out with him to show him that they cared. And Kevin, to this day, will still email me or call me and say, Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, tell me, where are you at? What are you doing? And he and I still talk to this day. You see, that's all that they want is to know somebody cares. Amen? Amen. 
Number three, I'll go through these quickly. Treating our spouse with the love and respect that God desires for us to give. That's important to God, amen? That we respect one another. Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 33 talks about the importance of us respecting our spouses, of our wives respecting their husbands and husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself for her. Number four, caring about others without selfish motivation, not asking the question, what can I get out of the deal? A lot of times we have this this distorted motivation and God sees right through us even though nobody else may be, but all of our smooth talking, all this is just what we can get out of the deal instead of really caring about someone. Folks, God wants us to genuinely care about others without selfish motivation. Amen? Without asking the question, what can I get out of the deal? It's not what can you do for me, it's what can I do for you. Number five, allowing the right things in our homes and in our lives that influence us. You know, influence is a huge deal when it comes to getting our families back in order and defining the standard, amen? It's very important. What do we allow on the television? What do we allow our kids to listen to? Do you know what your kids are listening to? Do you know what they're saying on Facebook? Are are you aware of what's going on? Are you aware of the types of television shows that they watch? And and, and are you aware of the type of television shows your husband watches? Are you aware? What are you allowing in your home? It influences. It has a huge influence on the atmosphere of your home. What do you approve of in your home? I had to learn a lesson as a youth pastor that when I was preaching a message one time that I, I had, there was a movie that I, I hadn't even honestly seen the movie. I just knew this one line from the movie because everyone was saying it. And in my message, I just made a reference to that line that I had said just to get a laugh out of the kids. Next thing you know, I get a call about two weeks later from a parent saying, why did you tell the kids it was okay to watch this movie? They told me that Pastor Derek said it was okay to watch this movie. I said, I never said that. And then I reeled back and I had to think, I used that quote from the movie. I had approved it. I had approved those kids watching that movie. And I had to watch the references even that I would allow just in trying to get a laugh. Because I was basically putting my stamp of approval on that. And I said, oh, that's heavy, folks. That's heavy. What are we allowing in our homes? What are we allowing to influence us? Um, Number six, we need to be people who pursue God through our time in his word, prayer, and our church involvement, and living our lives in a way that pleases him. We can serve God through serving and giving our life and our time for others. Amen? Amen. This is how we do Matthew 6 and 33. This is how we seek first the kingdom of God. We begin to put these things back in place, back in order the way that they should go. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What decisions are you going to make to change your relationship, to change your marriage, to change your situation? Where do we go from here? What do we do? Because where we go from here, it makes all the difference. Where we go from here makes all the difference. You can hear a good message and you can say, oh man, that was great. That was inspirational. Oh, I feel so uplifted. Oh, I, 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 just, um, I, I think that was just so wonderful. And not make any changes, not make any adjustments in our life, not submit to God's word, not submit to his truth. And guess what, folks? Nothing is going to change. But God wants better for you than you could ever imagine for yourself. So why would we think that his word would limit us and make us boring people? Why do we think that if we submit to his word and his truth, that it would make us people that would just be boring and limited? No, no, no. It's freeing. It's freedom in submitting to God's word. It's God, God's word doesn't hold us back, but it enables us to move forward in the right direction. Amen?
Getting things back in order starts today. It starts now. It starts with someone asking someone to forgive them. It starts with someone picking up the phone and beginning dialogue again. It starts by homes looking at what influences them, by evaluating the conversations we allow, those we hang out with, the stuff that we watch in our homes. It starts with a date night. It starts with maybe going to your child's game or sitting down and asking about their day. Folks, it starts somewhere. It starts somewhere, and today is the day. Amen? It's time to get things back in order because it's been out of order too long. Amen? It's time for us to redefine the standard of what true happiness and a true loving family should be and not look to the world to define it for what our normal is. Not let our dysfunction define us, but let God's truth and His Word define who we are and what we're going to be and what we're going to pass on to the next generation. Amen? It's time for us to allow His Word and His truth. And it's never, 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 never too late to get things back in order for your family and your life. It's not too late. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what mess you're in the middle of. And you go, oh, I don't even know what this would look like if I tried to do this. Or if I tried to submit to God's truth or His Word. I don't even know what kind of mess. Do you know what kind of mess this would create? Because it's been this way for so long. Folks, let me tell you, it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. Today is the day. Today is the day to get things back in order. Would you bow your heads this morning? There's someone in this place today, maybe you're saying, Pastor Derek, I'm ready to get things back in order in my life by giving Jesus Christ my heart. And I've never done that before. Or maybe you're in this place today and you say, I've said a prayer, but, but, I, I, but, but I just feel like I've been so far away from him and I'm ready to get things back in order in my life. And that starts with me confessing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If there's anybody like that in this room today, I just want you to simply let me know by lifting your hand and putting it back down. Anyone in this room today? Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I just simply want you to let me know that you're here. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it back down. Anyone else in this room today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God sees your hand. Church, would you help me pray this morning? Say, dear Jesus, I give you my heart. I trust you. I want you in my life. You call the shots. You tell me where to go. You tell me how to live because I trust you. I commit my life to you. I say that you have forgiven me and made me new through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I trust you with my whole heart. Change me from the inside out. I'll never be the same from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?